Guys, we have a lot to cover here today, and I am, I am so glad to be able to be with you and, and to be able to share God's message. Now, I don't know if you've known this, but throughout our, uh, the last six months or so that we've been uh, as a nation and as a world battling COVID, our church continues to grow. We've grown our online presence, we've grown our physical presence, we've grown in our influence, and I truly believe it's because of the Word of God. The Word of God is life-giving. And so the more that we are pressed, the more I just double down on God's Word. And I just keep preaching God's Word. And some of you are saying, Pastor, wow, that, that, is, that is really good. I just feel like you're feeding us. And so I know this, that, that if the shepherd of God feeds the, uh, the children of God, you will grow, and the church will grow. I also know that the Bible says that if we lift Jesus up, if Jesus be lifted up, he will draw men and women to him. And so I just pray that God would continue to draw into this house and draw onto this campus. Now, I need you to understand something. There is power in prayer. And what we do is a very spiritual thing, a very spiritual thing. And I think it's interesting because the world is talking about all this phenomenon and all of these spiritual things, and people are believing it, yet the church is all about the Spirit, and we're talking less and less about it, and the little we do mention, people don't believe. And I want to remind you, there is no greater power than the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no greater spiritual experience than one with Him, the King of glory, the the magnificent creator of heaven and earth who wants to have a relationship with you. And that, and, that, and that I just want to emphasize to you. We have prayed as a church that God would draw people to this house, and he is doing that each and every day. People come onto this campus. Every day I, I meet someone saying, there's something special about that church. I drive onto the campus, I feel a peace. You know why? Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, not, not long ago, our men, we, we had a, a, a men's breakfast where we staked with big um, metal piping and then put another metal pipe capsule inside of that with specific passages of the Word of God that we wanted to, you know, just dedicate this entire Entire church grounds. We put them in every corner, put them on every boundary uh, stake place, and we prayed over, Lord, you anoint this place with your Holy Spirit. And do you know God has done it? God has done it. I hear testimony after testimony after testimony how God is breaking through and making a way where there seemed to be no way. Especially in the lives of our families, I hear testimony on how God has done something special in your life. If he has, I just want you to give him praise right now. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for peace. Thank you for healing. Thank you for testimony. Thank you for salvation. Lord, we love you. So, we've been in the, in the middle of a sermon series entitled, The Life-Giving Spirit. The life-giving spirit. We started with the powerful spirit of God that fell on David and he conquered Goliath. Last week we introduced walking in the spirit. And I said before you can walk in the spirit, you have to know what the spirit is all about. And that the spirit came to, uh, to do certain things in our lives. 
And these are the words of Jesus. If you didn't get a chance to hear last week's message, I want to encourage you, go back and listen. And we said that the Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's a guide. He leads. He is, uh, is close to us. He will be our power, our protection. He will guide us and uh, protect us by showing us which way to go. All of these things is what we covered. And so we said, we know what he does. Now, how do we follow after him is what we're going to start today. Now, today will be also a part of another, uh, uh, of another segment, which we'll finish next week. But we said walking in the Spirit is what it's all about. And that not only is it, it should be our aim, that's our purpose, that's our, our birthright. We have been born again in Christ, and when you're born again, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll cover this in more detail as we go today. But the Apostle Paul says in the book of Galatians that we should walk in the Spirit. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter, 16, I mean chapter 5, verse 16, 18, and 25. And we're going to talk about how do we walk under the influence of this powerful Spirit of God. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So I want to, I want to remind you of how we've illustrated these topics here. You have, you have the law, you have the word, you, I mean, not the word, the world, you have death on one side. And I say, what do you mean the law brings death? That's what the Bible says. The law brings death because it shows you that you are not worthy. The law shows you how badly you need a savior. Did you know that? The law was not meant to be cozied up to. The law was supposed to be a hard taskmaster to show you you need a Savior. And so you have, you have death on one side and you have life on the other side. You have the Spirit on the side of life and you have Jesus Christ and all that God wants to do in your life and then you have the enemy. And I want to remind you of something. Every day when you wake up, you're faced with three forces trying to, to, to lead you astray. You want to know what those three forces are? Number one, the world. Number two, the devil, the enemy who has created this worldly system. And number three, your flesh. Your flesh, your carnal desires, how you are in the physical. You say, well, what do you mean? Look, your flesh connects to this world by what you see by what you taste, by what you feel, by what you hear, by what you smell. Your five senses connect you to this world. And the enemy uses your flesh and this world to tempt you and to lead you astray. Now think about this with me for a second. The Bible just said, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You experience life. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So if you live in the Spirit, you're going to walk in the Spirit. But if you live in the flesh, you'll see this, then you're going you're to walk according to the flesh. And if you're walking according to the flesh, there's someone else leading you. There's an enemy and your carnal nature, your fleshly nature, what you desire in the physical, 
is what's, is what's leading you. So stay with me on this. Because we're going to cover something very, very important. We're going to cover what it is to walk in the Spirit. And I'm going to use the epistles of the Apostle Paul. And why that's so important is that he was given the revelation of grace for the church. And that's you and I. He was given something very, very special for us. So I'm going to show you an outline of where we're headed. We're going to start off in Ephesians. This epistle is so special because it talks about the mystery of the gospel of grace and how you receive salvation, how Jesus Christ died so that you could have life in the Spirit. And then he teaches you what life in the Spirit and walking, being led by the Spirit is all about. What it's all about. So we'll be in Ephesians, but then we're going to have like a drop-down menu. We'll go into Romans. And so we'll take what we hear in Ephesians and we'll begin to, to, to really explore it through what he says to, in Romans. And then in Romans, we'll support it with James, Hebrews, and 2 Timothy. And we'll back out through Romans and back to Ephesians. Are you with me? All right. So Ephesians. Now, do you have God's word with you? If you don't have a physical copy of God's Word, can I encourage you to bring one? Can I encourage you to bring some notepad and, and a piece of paper? I want you to start being a student of God's Word. And the reason I encourage you to get a physical copy is because if you're dependent on a digital copy, that digital copy could change at any moment. I'm just saying. You say, oh, don't be a conspiracy nut. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll let you reference mine if yours ever changes. So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In him you also trust. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Did you hear that? What the Bible is describing here is how salvation takes place and the significance of that salvation. Watch with me. You are walking according to your flesh before you were saved. You are walking on a road. Jesus put it this way. There is a road that's broad and wide and many find it and it's easy to travel. But there is another road. The path is small Difficult to find and difficult to travel. Only few find it, but it leads to eternal life. This path leads to death. This is why the proverb says there, there is a way that seems right to man. Meaning when you grow up, you think, hey, this seems right to me. But in the end, it leads to what? Destruction is what the Bible says. But this is what takes place. You hear the gospel message. What's the gospel message? The good news that Jesus Christ came, he died for your sins, he hung on the cross, and he paid the price once and for all so that you wouldn't have to die any longer, so that you could have salvation. Now watch what the Bible says. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel, you trusted it. How do you trust it? You put your faith in it. And when you put your faith in it, you were saved. You were saved. Now what happens at salvation? Read with me. In whom also, having believed, there's that faith, that trust, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Come on now. 
to the praise of his glory. So this is what happens. Jesus Christ says, the minute you believe in your heart, I will enter in by my Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit of the living God will abide in you and will seal you. He is a deposit. He's like earnest money saying, you are under contract. And someday on that beautiful faith-filled day, you will be raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. Did I not tell you this is a spiritual life and a spiritual book and spiritual instruction? Stop believing the nonsense of the Far East and believe the Word of God. The Word of God. You want to be better? You don't need a guru or a yogi. You need Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says. He will come in you. He will give you inheritance, guarantee, redemption. He will take possession of you. You go, oh my gosh. I told you this was going to be a good one. So how do you walk by the Spirit? First and foremost, you got to have the Spirit. You have to have salvation. And when you've been saved, then the question is not so much, can I be unsaved? A lot of people think, well, can I lose my salvation? No. The question is whether you had it to begin with. Because if you have salvation, you are a changed individual. The old has gone, the new has come, the seal has taken place. It's an irrevocable seal. So some of you are here today and you're saying, but, but, but tell me, Pastor, plain and simply, how do I know and how do I walk or live in the Spirit? Then let me put it to you plainly. To walk in the Spirit is to live moment by moment in dependency upon Him. What do I mean in dependency upon Him? That means you don't move. You don't determine whether you're going to sell your house or move churches or do this in your job or do some other thing in your life without asking the Spirit of the living God first. Spirit, what should I do and how should I do it and when should I do it? So I got two amens. This is a hard thing because most people say, no, I want salvation, Lord. That means I want to be on the good side, but I don't want you in my business. Come on, isn't in, in that true? Isn't that true, Lord? I want all the good things, but I'd rather you be like the genie. Hey, Mr. Aladdin, what is your pleasure, please? Right? I want God to sing to me. I want God to come out and go, you ain't never had a friend like me. You know, yeah, Lord, I want you to be that friend that gives me what I want, but I don't want you telling me what to do. But that's not the gospel message. Listen to, to what I'm saying here. Moment by moment, in dependency upon him, that means, Lord, I'd like to move, but what do you say? Lord, I want a new job, but what do you say? God, I don't like this boss and I'd like to transfer, but what do you say? What do you say, Lord? You might say here today, Pastor, I have a really hard time because I don't hear the Spirit. 
If you don't hear the Spirit, I'm not going to baby you. I'm going to come straight at you and teach you the Word of God and how it goes. If you don't hear the Spirit, there's one of two things wrong. One, you have so gotten used to doing your own thing, you need to fall on your knees, ask God to forgive you, and say, Lord, King of glory, I am sorry for being disobedient for so long, but I desire to hear your Spirit. Will you forgive me and begin to speak to me again that I may hear? Because this is how it goes. When the, watch, watch this. Moment by moment, dependency upon him, sensitive to his voice and obedience to him. Because this is what happens. As he speaks, you listen, he manifests his power, and you begin to what? Draw into close relationship. The more you hear his voice and the more you listen, the more you act on it, the more you become like someone who can hear his voice and act on it, which becomes more like someone that can hear his voice and acts on it, which becomes more like someone who can hear his voice and acts on it, which becomes more. Do you see what's happening here? But what if you ignore it? Then you become more like someone who can ignore his voice and not act on it, which becomes easier to not hear his voice and not act on it, which becomes even easier to not, I don't even hear him at all. You see what's happening? Or, number two, remember I said there's two reasons you might not be hearing him. Second is, and we'll talk about this in more detail in, in next week's message when he talks about grieving the Holy Spirit. But this is, this is number two. Number two is you might not have a relationship at all. Whereby you need to start with point number one. And that is, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I, relieve, I receive you as my Lord and Savior that I may have that guarantee. And that I may have you in my heart, in my life. Let's talk more about this. Let's keep going. Watch this. Sensitive and obedient. So what does it mean to be obedient? Think about this. You sense the Holy Spirit sharing something with you. Go do it then. Go do it then. I asked the first service about my son. Let's say I tell my son, son, I need you to put these three bags in the guest room on the bed. And I wake up in the morning and they're not done. What is that called? What is that called? Oh, it's easy to pick out disobedience in somebody else's life, isn't it? Anybody here struggle with disobedience? Okay, so we have some tr- so a few truth tellers. Let me put it to you this way. How many of us, how many of us can live an entire day without sinning? Not, not one day? Guys, how about half a day? How about a quarter of a day? Man, we got some sinners. No, no, listen, life is tough, and obedience is tough, and the flesh is strong, and not only is the flesh strong, but the devil is crafty and cunning, and this world is all around us. You need the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever. Don't be deceived. You need the power of the Holy Spirit more than ever. So begin to cultivate that closeness, that friendship by saying, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to obey you. I don't want to leave it. And when God begins to speak, do it then. Come on, when God begins to speak, do it then. When God begins to speak, do it then. Don't wait because the, the, the stuff will still be there in the morning and dad will wake up and see it. Amen. And then he'll, he'll bring it up to first and second service.
And so the book of Ephesians tells us very, very clearly, I just read to you one of the main verses of chapter one. Now I'm going to read to you one of the main verses of chapter two. Watch what he says in chapter two about this salvation, about this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, least anyone should boast. So this is what happens. Salvation, right? You hear the truth, the gospel, you believe it, and you are saved. That's what he said in chapter 1, right? And you receive the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Bible specifically says that the Holy Spirit is the gift? He is the charismata, the charisma in Greek that means a grace gift, something you don't deserve. God is literally saying you cannot work for it. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. All you can do is receive it, say thank you, and then be grateful enough to just live by it. Make the most out of your life. This is beautiful because what God is literally saying, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have a full life, completely blessed. Now this is where we get deceived because we think that the full life's over here. And that this is the killjoy when it's actually the reverse. See, if you want the true gift, you will stop looking at God as the, the things you cannot do. If you are thinking that Christianity is about what I cannot do, then you're still living under the law. The law is about what you cannot do. God's spirit is about all you get to do and get to be and the blessings that he has in front of you. There's a different way of looking at things. Are you getting it? Watch. Watch, for by grace you have been saved through faith. How did you access this gift? You had to believe. You trusted, believing, Paul said in, in chapter 1. Here it is again, through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. And God is saying, I have this beautiful life. All you have to do is have the courage to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Okay, so then we go to chapter 3. So we started chapter 1, now we go to chapter 3. So Paul talks about this faith gift, and he talks about it more and how to receive it by faith. But then in chapter 3, it's mainly about this thing called the mystery. What mystery? Well, read with me. For this reason, I, Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus for the Gentiles. So Paul is what? A prisoner for Jesus Christ. That means Jesus Christ, I owe him everything. That's what Paul means when he says, I'm a prisoner of Christ. It means I owe him everything. You ever feel so grateful that you would just give your life for it? That's what Paul is saying. So watch. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. Now, what do you mean by a dispensation? A dispensation, very, very quickly, stay with me, is a time in which God dealt with a group of people or the world 
in a certain way for a specific purpose. A time. Okay? Before the fall, that was a dispensation. After the fall, that was a dispensation. The time of the law, that was a dispensation. Now Paul is talking about a new dispensation. Can I tell you that I've shared this with you in different ways when I talked about the book of Daniel, when he talks about the 70-week prophecy, and the angel says, write down the prophecy for your holy people. He's talking to Daniel, and Daniel's holy people are the Jewish people. There will be 70 weeks for their history. And we know that the 69th week was fulfilled when Messiah was crucified. And then all of a sudden, from Messiah being crucified, you have from the 69th week to the 70th week, stay with me, you have this gap. That gap is this dispensation that Paul is talking about. The 70th week starts with the seven years of tribulation when God starts to draw Israel back to him. But right now, even Paul says in the book of Romans, In other epistles of his, he says, not until the time of the Gentiles is complete will God move on to his his people Israel. Think about this with me for a second. In 2 Thessalonians, he says, the Antichrist, the lawless one, will not be revealed until the restrainer is removed out of the way. Who is the restrainer? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside each one of us. How is he going to be removed? Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rapture his church. This dispensation that Paul is introducing will come to an end. So tell me, Pastor, what about this dispensation? Okay, here we go. I'm going to let Paul tell you. Watch. The dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Who is you? The Gentiles. That's you and me. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. He's saying, I've already begun to explain to you what was revealed to me, now I'm revealing it to you. What is he revealing? Here we go, verse 5. Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. You understand what he just said? He said, the mystery is this, the gospel message. What is the gospel message? Jesus Christ came. He hung on the cross. He died for your sins. And anyone who would receive that receives the gift of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you are transferred from from death to life. The old you has gone and the new you begins to live. He sets you free from the law of sin and death. He's talking about a great, beautiful, spiritual Mystery that he is allowing everyone to know now. And listen to verse 7. He says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And now I share it with you. Y'all had the same reaction first service did. And I asked them afterwards. I said, why didn't y'all say amen or anything? They were just like, we were just like. This is amazing. This is amazing. This is what Christianity is all about. 
So stay with me on this for a second. My computer's kind of having some trouble here. So, now we go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, he starts talking more about this mystery. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were what? Called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So then Paul switches gears. He says, okay, now I told you how you become what? Saved, how you get the Holy Spirit. This is the mystery. He says that in chapter 3. Now chapter 4, okay, you have it, you've got it, let's do something with it. Start to walk. Notice the first thing he tells you about walking, unity. First thing he mentions when it comes to walking in the Spirit is being united with the Spirit. It means you got to be sensitive to him so that when he says move, you move. When he says stop, you stop. When he says turn, you turn. But not only that, he says you're not alone in this walk. You're walking with a church. You're walking with brothers. You're walking with a family. And it really does depend how closely we walk, church. How closely we walk. And we should be led by the Spirit of the living God. So he says this, Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another, listen to this, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit of the bond of peace. Now this is where we go to Romans and we, and we tie it up. In the book of Romans, he talks more about walking in the Spirit. And this is what he says in chapter 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means you become an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, or indeed can be, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So think about what he said. If you have your mind set on the things you like, what you want, what feels good to you, what tastes good to you, and and you're allowing yourself, then, then you're headed in the wrong direction is what Paul's saying. And why would you head that way when God has given you all this life? You can, you can choose different. Now, now stay with me. Come on. This is going to be, this is when it's going to all come together. But you've got to understand these things. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So over here, you cannot please God. Another way of putting it, you can't have a relationship with him. So how do I have a relationship with him? Well, according to James, James chapter 4 verse 3 and 5 says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. James is saying the exact same thing Paul is saying. Watch. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be friends with the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's what he's saying. You want what you want, and you don't really want to please God. 
And when you do that, you're an enemy of God. So you go, okay, pastor, how do I get to be on the right side? Just tell me already. Here we go. Listen to what, listen to what Romans continues to say. He continues to say, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. According to Hebrews, the only way you can please God is with faith. Listen to what Hebrews says. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Here it goes again. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. You get the gift of who? The Holy Spirit. The way you walk with the Holy Spirit is to believe. Believe what? Believe what he has said in his word. And who he is. Therefore study his word and he will make it known to you. And he will begin to speak to you through the power of his word. Amen. Watch this. It goes even deeper. I got this new computer and it's just not very good. Here we go. But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. of indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. That means if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. That means you will overcome by the spirit of the living God. Therefore, brethren, as we are debtors, not of the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit you put, uh, but if by the spirit you put the dead, the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit, those are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Okay, this is where it all comes together. You've been listening now for 25 minutes, and I've been just giving you theology, theology and doctrine. Now I'm going to bring it together from the Old Testament, how it's different. You're in a new dispensation, but yet God is the same God. Watch. So what he's saying, don't live according to the flesh. And according to the flesh, if you get used to living according to the flesh, you will not be able to live in faith, but you will live by fear. Do you see that right there? For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. What does Paul say to Timothy? In 2 Timothy, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Of a sound mind. So, in the Old Testament, God's people, old dispensation, right, under the law, the Jewish people, we're the Gentiles, we're under the church age and under grace, okay? But we're still co-heirs with Christ, okay? They had these different things that they did because God set them free. Set them free from where? Set them free from Egypt. Egypt represented the world to them like, like your past life to you. You were in bondage to Satan. They were in bondage to Pharaoh, which was a type of Satan. Watch this. 
He sets them free miraculously, just like he sets you free miraculously. And then he pulls them out of Egypt through these series of miracles, the last miracle being the most profound one where the angel of death passed by and began to judge the people of Egypt. But if the children of God took a lamb, a Passover lamb, and they were to sacrifice it and put that blood on the doorway, the the, the threshold of their homes, the, the angel of death would pass over. And they they celebrated the Passover. When Jesus Christ came to earth, the, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus became our Passover Lamb, became our sacrificial Lamb. So from there on, they began to celebrate the Passover. On Passover, Jesus said, I give you a new covenant. We're in a new dispensation, a new covenant. This is my blood. When you drink it, remember what I did for you on the cross. This is my body as he broke the bread. Watch this. On Passover, why? Because God was dealing with his people through the law. He was showing them how much they needed him. And he instituted a series of sacrifices in order to spark faith in them. What do you mean, spark faith? Watch. The Passover lamb, the sacrificial offerings on the Day of Atonement, all of these things that were done in the tabernacle were designed to point them where? Point them to Jesus. How do we know this? Because the Apostle Paul tells us through the book of Hebrews, they were types and shadows of the one to come. They were foreshadowing the one to come. How were they saved? They look forward in faith. We are co-heirs. That means they are our brothers in salvation. This gospel message. He didn't say another gospel. He didn't say another type of salvation. It's the same thing. But God was dealing with them through types and shadows where we get the real thing. We get the real thing. So watch. They looked forward in faith. We looked back in faith. But it's the same faith, and at the center of it all is Jesus Christ, who died for our sins, once and for all. You say, but, but where does the Holy Spirit take place? Now the Holy Spirit dwells within us, but then, you know how it, it, it worked? He said, I'm going to take all you million to two million people with me, and I'm going to guide you with my very Spirit. Isn't the Holy Spirit a guide? The Holy Spirit is a comforter. How would he guide them? How would he protect them? How would he provide for them? The same way he does for you. But here is more collective. Here is more personal. Watch. Or here is collective and personal. So God would hover in a cloud and shade them by day. He would be a pillar of fire by night. He had his tabernacle represent his holy presence, especially in the holiest of holiest with the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. Have you seen a replica of the Ark of the Covenant or a picture? You have two angels kneeling down and they spread their wings like that and it makes like a seat. That's called a mer the mercy seat where God was enthroned. And he told Israel, I will be in your midst. Like he says, I will be in you. Watch. Watch. So the cloud would rise and begin to move. That was their signal. It's time to go. When the cloud would settle, 
That was their signal. It's time to stay. When was the last time you moved according to the Holy Spirit? Come on. So I just went deep. That, that's worth an amen. See, they knew we don't go without God. The minute they went without God, they paid the price. God would move. They would move. God would sit. They would sit. God would say, camp here, they would camp there. God would say to eat this, they would eat that. God would say, drink this, they would drink. Come on now. Come on. So, so God would move and watch this. They went, he, he, would, he hovered over Mount Sinai. They said, okay, we're supposed to camp here. And God came down. And like he met with Moses in a burning bush, he set the mountain on fire. One man, one bush. A group of people, the whole mountain. Isn't that awesome? And as he began to speak to Moses, he began to speak with his people. And he said, I want to have a personal relationship with you. But they were afraid. But we were not given the spirit of fear. Why were they afraid? Come on, think of this. Why were they afraid? Because they knew things would have to change. They knew things would have to change. And so they said to Moses, they said, Moses, you deal with God and you talk to us. Many of us in the pews today would still like to be under that dispensation, have a pastor deal with God and have him tell you. Can I tell you that is not what God's word wants for you. God wants you to deal with him. God wants to be a personal God to you. God wants to indwell you, to lead you, to speak to you, to tell you to rise, to tell you to sit, tell you to move, to tell you to... God desires a personal relationship with you. But they say no. God says it's time to move and go into the promised land. It's time to move and go into the promised land. They said, okay, let's go. They start to look around. They said, again, spirit of fear. They said, Lord, before we go in, let, let, we want to check it out first. God says, okay, go check it out. They go check it out. They see that God is a man of his word. What is his word? He promised them a promised land, a, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land beyond their wildest dreams. Do you realize that in chapter 3 of Ephesians, when, God, when Jesus is giving Paul, listen to me, listen to me. What is chapter 3 of Ephesians when Paul says, I have a mystery of a new dispensation. We're not in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. This is for you Gentiles. Do you realize what he says in, in chapter 3? He says that you might get a glimpse of the vast love of God that you may know that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond whatever you could hope or imagine or dream. If you would only have the confidence and the faith to believe him for it and not be fearful. So they were stricken with fear. They came back from the spine mission. They say, yeah, the land is beautiful, but there are giants in the land. And what they were saying is God is a truth teller, but the giants are too powerful for him. And God said, I'm leading you and yet you will not follow. So he said, this generation's done. Do you realize the most, the greatest fear should be not following God. 
Paul talks about that later, and I'll share with you next week. The fear of the Lord is what you should have. Not the fear of man or the fear of anything else. And so God says, in this new dispensation with my church, I won't hover over you. I'll live inside of you. And I will lead you into a promised land if you have the faith to believe it. That's how you walk. The Bible says it clearly, the just shall live by faith. By every word of the mouth of God. Maybe you're here today and you can openly say, Lord, I have been missing that aspect. I, love you, Lord. I want to sense your spirit oh, your in me. I want you to rise when you want me to rise. And I want you to settle when you want me to settle, Lord. And I'm going to live by that word and in Ephesians chapter 3 from 16 to 20 when he says, Paul says, I pray for you when he's talking about the mystery that you would get a glimpse of how much God loves you. When you know how much God loves you, you know you have nothing to fear. For God is with me. I just feel inclined to pray for my men. My men would know how much God loves them so they would shepherd their family with that confidence. That confidence that God is for me. I don't care how big the giants look. Nothing is greater than my God. God can move mountains. God can speak to the, to the rushing waves and ask them to split and they will split. Whatever the Lord has spoken over me, my family, my church, and our nation, it shall be done because he bears witness to my spirit from deep within. Deep cries out to deep. And I know that I know that my Savior lives. Listen to what Job said. And someday I will witness him in my mortal body. I will be raised from the dead, resurrected to have a new body, an immortal body. But that goes into another, another message. So I want to ask you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone here that needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? You know beyond a shadow of a doubt Holy Spirit, I need you. I see your hands in the back. I see your hand over here on my right side. I see all of your hands on my right side. How about over here in the middle? I see your hands in the middle section here. I see your hand in the back, sir. How about over here on the left? Ma'am, I see your hand in the very back. More importantly, God sees your hand. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father, King of glory. Just say these words. Father, King of glory. I receive the gospel message of grace. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
the Alpha and Omega, who died, conquered death, and rose again by the power of the Spirit of God. And someday, so will I. Holy Spirit, come in. Take full control of who I am. From this moment on, I belong to you, God. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want to congratulate you. You will never be the same. So Jesus Christ, on the day that he was betrayed, before he was crucified, he said, this is the sign of my new covenant. It was on Passover. And he shares with this church, this is the new covenant. This represents the gospel of grace as we say, his body was broken and his blood was shed. His body for life, his blood for forgiveness, and we are now righteous. So Lord, I know that your, your sacrifice is sufficient for me. And we give you thanks for your body that gives us healing both in the spiritual, in the emotional, and the physical. God, thank you, and we receive it. Lord, we know that your blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We receive that, and we stand completely forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Foundation, I love you. If you prayed that prayer, get in a discipleship group. Walk in the Spirit. Oh, and you are my